Let's turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. Are you there? And we've been reading from verse 9 to 25. Acts chapter 27, verses 9 to 25. The Word of God says, Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous, because by now it was after the fast. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing southward and northward. When a gentle wind began to blow, they, they thought that they had obtained what they wanted, so they waved anchor and sailed along the sh- shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeast Ethan swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of the small island called Koda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together, fearing that they would run aground on the sandburns of Citrus. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship tackle overboard and with their own hands, when neither sun nor star appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the Lord, of God, who I am, whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. I must, you must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of those who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run ground on some island. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Most gracious and loving Father, we pray for your word, Lord God. We pray that your word will go forth and touch every heart today. We pray today there will be awakening. We pray that the eyes will be open today, Master, to see truth. We pray that your word will penetrate every heart today who is sitting down here, Lord God, that the truth will set them free, Master. 
I pray for everyone who is hungry. Let them be filled. I pray those who are lost, that they will be found today in Jesus' name. I've titled today's message, When Storms Shipwreck Our Dreams. When Storms Shipwreck Our Dreams. All of us are here with a dream. And that's the reason we are here. As children, we have a dream. As a youth, we have a dream. As uh, when you're going to get married, we have a dream. After marriage, we have a dream. When you have children, we have a So we are always with dreams. And suddenly down the line, we find a storm comes and shipwrecks that dream. And what becomes of us, or what, what turns out, is today we are going to look at. Life is full of storms, my brothers. While you and I pursue God-given dream or vision, we are faced with storms. Some are mild, some are difficult. Our life on earth is full of storms. Everybody, at some given time, will face a storm. And we should not be discouraged, because we should always look at what Jesus said in John 16.33. For in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome. Amen? We might be in one of these three areas today. You might be that you have just got out of trouble. There are a group of people, you feel, I've just come out of trouble, and here I am, I know what it is. The second group is, you are right in the midst of trouble. Now, that's where you are. You could have been one week, you could have been one month, you could have been for a long time, but you're still in trouble, and you do not know how to come out. Your eyes are closed. You're not able to see the truth. You have not heard from God, and you're wondering. So that's the second. And the third part of group of people are the ones who are heading into a storm very soon. Because we all will one day go into a storm. We all have to face this. So we are the three groups of people. Finished, in it, and yet you might be thinking, I have never faced a storm. I pray that will not happen to you. But the word of God says, in this life, we will have storms. Apostle Paul was a man who was acquainted with it. All through his life, Paul never gave up on his dreams. If you turn to 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 8 to 10. 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 8 to 10. It says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardship we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despised even life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. I want you to look at this now. He has delivered us from such deadly perils. What he has done? He has. Number two, and he will deliver us. Number three, on him we have set our hope that he will Continue to deliver us. Can you see that? He has, he is, and he will. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it says that Jesus Christ is the same 
Yesterday, today, forever. You look, we compare that. He says that he will do it. So if you are going through a situation and there is a storm in your life, you hold on to these verses. And these verses will give you courage to come through. They learned to trust in God. This disciple learned to trust in God and he knew that deliverance will only come from his maker. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 4, it says in everything we do, try to show that we are true ministers of God, we patiently endure trouble and hardship and calamity. The New Living Translation. We patiently endure troubles, hardship and calamities. Paul is saying that we, we go through this and we endure it. Why? Because at the end, we will be considered as ministers and servants of God. At the end. My brothers and sisters, in chapter 27 that we just now read, we see one of the many difficulties that Paul was enduring. He was being taken to Rome as a prisoner. He warned the centurion that there is going to be hardship. It's not safe. Let us not fail. Let us stay. But they chose to disregard the warning from a man of God. Because they were not prepared to take this warning. They said, we will go ahead. Because they felt that this place that they were going to be was not suitable. The accommodation was not suitable. It was not a good place for us. So let us sail on. There are three questions we need to ask and answer ourselves that will help us to survive life's storm. There are three questions. Number one, why did this happen? Why did this happen? Number two, what will be the result of the storm? And number three, how will I respond? We've seen the three questions. Why did it happen? What will be the result? And what, how, and how will I respond? These are the three questions we are going to look today. And question number one, why did this happen is, what caused this storm to happen in my life? That's the question. What caused this storm to happen? Next slide, sister. There are four different reasons or causes for storms to happen in our life. There are four different reasons. Number one, I. I am the cause of many troubles and trials in my life. Most of the problems in our lives are being because of ourselves. Because we do things deliberately and we find ourselves in a great mess. Number one. Number two, other people. Other people are there. Because sometimes you might be minding your own business. You might be driving your car, going, your, going on your work. You might be working quietly and you will find people coming and putting you into trouble. So you have no control over it because they are there just to pull you down, break you. The second character. The third is our enemy, the devil. He is all out to put you in trouble, to cause you to go through that hardship so that you will question, where is this God? Where is this God? I don't see him at all. You will lose faith. That's what the enemy will do. And he will throw you into all this. And that you will find your ship wrecked. And you question, 
Where is God now? I have been serving Him all these years and He is not here to answer me. And number four, God also allows us to go through difficulties in our life. God also allows us. Reason is, He allows us to go through these. Number one, to get our attention. Because we are not paying attention. We started off good, but somewhere down the line, we are going in our own way. So God wakes us up and He allows these trials. So He gets our attention. Number two, in order to test us. And number three, to mold us. And we know in the, in the life of Jonah, he was given an assignment. But for some reason he says, let me go my way. And God allowed that storm to get his attention. Otherwise, he would have sat, he would have slept under that, uh, in the boat. And he would have gone to another place. So God also allows it. When I'm going through a storm, how do I determine the cause is the question. How will I determine the cause? Number one, we must learn to pray and seek the face of God. And come to God and say, Lord, I'm going through this. Speak to me. I want to hear from you. In Psalm 73, the psalmist had the same problem. The psalmist felt in this psalm, why do the wicked people prosper so much and here I'm a godly man, I'm going through this. And don't we all have that? We see our neighbors having beautiful cars, we see them doing well, we see them getting promoted and we say, I am a child of God and why do I have to suffer like this? And the answer to this came when the psalmist went into the house of God. Let us turn to Psalm 73. I'll show you the answer to this. Psalm 73, Brother Matthew, verses 16 to 17, brother. Psalm 73, verses 16 to 17. <coughs> I tried to understand all this, but it was too hard for me to see. Here's the answer. Until I went to the temple of God. You see, up to then, I could not understand. But when I went to the house of God, I got my answer. Brothers and sisters, when we learn to come to the house of God... God will minister to us. And we've seen it so beautifully today that we were ministered during the time of worship. We were ministered during the time of prayer. God can choose any time to minister to us. That's the reason I hate to, to be late for church. I hate to not to miss church. Because even in the opening prayer, which we do not consider so much, God can minister to us. Through a small prayer. If that does not happen, God will still minister to us when we come and we wait at His presence. God will speak to us. God has got His own way to minister to His children, those who diligently seek Him. And I would encourage you, don't miss service. Don't miss it. Don't even miss a prayer meeting because you do not know. You might be going through a hardship and you might be waiting for God to talk to you. And that's the day God has appointed to speak to you and you decided to sleep and you decided to stay behind and you have missed your word. It's not God's fault. You have not been in the right place where you are supposed to be. When I dis... If you look, they made three common mistakes that we all make in a time of desperation. Number one... The common mistakes that we make, they listen to bad advice. 
There are three common mistakes that we make always. Number one, they listen to bad advice. And many of the times we do it. Verse 11, let us look at verse 11. They followed the advice of the... Are your Bibles opened? Not asleep? Okay. They followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Number one, bad advice. God had already told them, listen, don't sail through his servant. Don't sail. But they took the advice of the experts. The experts have always got advice for us. They always think that they know what is best for us. But when God said no, they were not happy. Don't we do that sometimes? When, when God speaks to us and says, no, don't go there. We say, let me go for the second opinion. Second opinion comes, no. Then we still are not satisfied. Let me go to the third opinion. Why? Because we want to hear the word, yes. And then a lying spirit comes, says yes. You are happy, you go there, you mess up everything, and then you question God, you asked me to go. That was your last alternative. The first was, no. We take bad advice. My brothers and sisters, have you noticed when God says no, it's better not to go to anybody and ask them to pray for you. No matter how much pastor prays, no matter how much the elders pray, God has already said no. Number two, they followed the crowd. Number one, they listened to bad advice. Number two, they followed the crowd. How many of us, when we see there's a crowd, in case we are driving on the road and we find 10, 15 people standing there, we don't know what it is, we also stand there. Everyone goes, we also go. What happened, brother? I don't know. They are standing, I'm also standing. But what happened? I don't know. And then the story becomes big. Verse 12, look at it. Here's the answer. The majority decided that they should sail. What did the majority decide? They have to sail. Sometimes the majority can be wrong, my brothers and sisters. The phrase is, everybody is doing it, so I also did it. Everybody can be wrong at times. If you look at the story of the children of Israel, when they left Israel and they came, what did God tell them? Go and take the land. He used two words. He says in, in Deuteronomy, you can just write it out, Deuteronomy number one, chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. He says, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, go. What does the majority do? Moses, let us go and venture out and see what's wrong. And you see, sometimes, because of the pressure of the people, even the man of God also gets persuaded to listen. Because the majority said, we have to do it. And the man of God said, okay, maybe we will send 12 spies then. He never, he never stood on his ground and said, no, God said, let us go. So let us take it. But what did he say? Let us take one, 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 one uh, person from each tribe and go. In that, the 12 spies who went, the majority came back with what? Negative. And we know the answer. So sometimes we have to be careful. The majority can be wrong. And we know the story. When you disobey God, 40 years wilderness. We will not be able to survive 40 years. One year itself, we will all quit and run. So they bring my bag, leave me at the airport, I have to go. Number three, they relied on circumstances. They relied on circumstances. Verse 13, if you look at verse 13, it says, 
when a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. Are we not like that? When we look at circumstances right around us, everything seems good. Brother, everything seems good. They thought now that Paul could have been wrong. Hey, Paul could have been wrong. Here, look at it. It's beautiful. Everything seems fantastic. Let us move. And that's the time disaster struck. We have to be careful. When God tells us something, the enemy will send a beautiful wind. And we will take that and say, yes, I think it's time to move. God will say, sit there. But we want to move. We have looked at question number one. What did it happen? Let us look at question number two. What will be the result? What will be the result? In this question of what will be the result, there are three questions I have added in it. What does God want me to learn from this situation? What, one thing is, what God wants me to learn. The second is, what am I willing to learn? God wants us to teach us something, but it depends upon what we want to learn. Most of the time, we are not willing to learn what God wants us to teach. And the third question is, what is God going to teach me through this experience that I'm going through now? I'm in this place. I'm caught in this corner. What is going to be the result? If you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. It says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirit is still being renewed. When? Every day. New Living Translation. For our present troubles are quite small. I want you to look at this. Paul is telling, for our present troubles are quite small. Do you know when he's telling this? After being beaten. After being shipwrecked. After being found fault with all false brethren. And here is this man who has gone through all this, is saying that they are quite small. Look at it. And wouldn't last very long. Yet they produce for us an immeasurable great glory that will last for Ever. Amen? Verse 16. So we do not look at the, look at the troubles we, are, we see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we, we will see will soon be over. But the joy to come will last for ever. Amen? Amen? My brothers and sisters, our troubles are only for a short time. Short time. But we will overcome it in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 8, 28. It says, And we know that all things work. How many times have we heard this word from this pulpit? All things work for the good. Whatever be your situation, it will work out for your good in Jesus' name. Amen. One result that God is interested in is in your spiritual growth. All situations, spiritual growth. Nothing else. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5. If you look at Romans chapter three, uh, 5, verses 3 to 5. But we also rejoice in our suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Amen? And hope that doesn't disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit 
in whom he has given us. Amen? God wants us to learn one thing. Every trial, every storm is a school. Every storm is a school. Every trial is a teacher. Every experience is an education. Every difficulty is our development. Amen? This is what God wants us to learn in life's storm. God is more interested in yours and my character at the end. Because He wants us to become like His Son. That's the ultimate. The ultimate. We are seeing question number one. Why did, why did this happen? We've seen question number two. What will be the results? Let us look at the last question. How will I respond? How will I respond in a situation like this? And there are three questions that I put. What will I do? How should I respond or react to this? How should I handle a bad situation that has come to me either through my mistake, through somebody else, through the enemy, or if God is putting me to the trial, how will I do it? Our response should be, our outcome, the only thing that we should do is be prepared for it at all times. At all times. When we look at chapter 27 of Acts, we see three things that we should not do. Three things that we should not do in the book of Acts. Number one, verse 15 of the same chapter. Don't drift with the storm. Do not drift with the storm. Verse 15 it says, And when the ship was caught and was unable to head against the wind, what did they do? They gave up. And letting her drift were borne along. My brothers and sisters, the ship that was taking the prisoners to Rome was in the middle of the Mediterranean Ocean. They did not see the sun for 14 days. They were in total darkness. No light. Nothing. They could not get bearing because they were trying to see what was the depth of their boat. They could not find it. They could not see any stars around. Everything was in total darkness. And what did they do? They just gave up and started drifting with it. Most of the time, when we don't find our destination, when we are not reaching where God has wanted us to be, and when things are not working, the first thing is we do, we give up, and we start drifting with the tide. They thought that everything was difficult. So what? They lost hope. My brothers and sisters, I want you not to lose vision of your goal. Don't lose the vision of the ambition that God has given you. Run after your dream. Run after your vision. Because it might be hard. At the end, you will meet it in Jesus' name. Number two, do not lose hope. If you look at verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. How many of us do that? When everything seems difficult, when nothing is working our way, we give up hope. 14 days, total darkness. And they never knew what was happening. They were being beaten from all sides. They forgot the most important thing. My brothers and sisters, I want to tell you this. The most important thing, when you don't see light, when, when you don't see life around, remember that in that storm, our God is with us. Amen? That's the reason we, we sang that beautiful song in the start. Open the eyes of my heart. 
That's the time when you know you cannot see anything. Sing that song. God, open my eyes that I will be able to see. Open my inner eyes. Close the natural. Open the supernatural, Lord God. My brothers and sisters, He has never left you. If you feel alone in a situation like this, do you know something? God has not moved. Who has moved? I have moved. God has never moved from the situation. He has never left you because He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. The third point, don't throw away the things that you need to survive in a storm. Most of the time we throw away the things that we need most important during a storm. God said, stay with the ship. Look at verse 30 to 32. 30 to 32. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending that they were going to lower some of the, some anchor from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the rope that held the lifeboat and let it away. My brothers and sisters, how many of us, when we are going through difficulties and going through a storm, the first thing is, we look for our lifeboats. I want to encourage married people. The day you put that ring on your wife's finger and your wife puts that ring on your husband's finger, make one more pledge. God, cut away all the lifeboats. Take away. Cut your lifeboats. Please do not travel with lifeboats. The moment you find a difficult thing, you tell your wife, you are the cause. I'm going. I have a lifeboat to swim. Wife says, I can't take it anymore. I need my lifeboat. So make sure both lifeboats are cut. You only have one ship. You have to go with the Lord. Amen? We do that. It is a natural thing. I was talking to one of the brothers and it says that in the Christian cycle in the US, one out of four marriages are ending up with divorce. Not one out of ten. One out of four. We are not too far. If you are not careful. You know why? They all get married with lifeboats on. Not small boats, big boats. You know why big boats? They take all the belongings also and go. And everything goes down. My brothers and sisters, be careful. In Acts chapter 27, there is one thing we must learn to give up during our storm. I showed you what you should not give up. Now I am showing you what you should give up. In 27 we see... If you look at Acts 27 verses 18 to 19, it says, We took such a violent battering from the storm that the very next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship tackle overboard with their own hands. My brothers and sisters, in our journey of, of our life, we carry many cargo with us. Cargo that is not required. You know when you have beyond... If, if a truck is able to carry a four-ton uh, cargo, and if you put six ton, what happens to it? Your tires burst. If your ship is compared with the same capacity, you will sink with your ship. And most of the time, you look at this, brothers and sisters, once in a way, take accountability of what cargo you got in your life. Personal life, spiritual life. There are two types of cargoes we take. And God, I should not say this, but it happens. When things that are not required in your life, one day will come, you'll have to throw them overboard. It's truth. Because God says, I want only you. 
ultimate, you are going to stand before me. And if you look in the spiritual sense, God says, I want you, what's the cargo you have in your heart? What's the cargo you have inside you? You've got to take that out. And if you look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21, look at the amount of cargo that we could have in our hearts while we travel. And God says, I have to bring all of them out. So, what is the right response in difficulties? What's the right response? If you are not there now, you are going to be there very soon. And I'm going to show you three responses to face a storm. Three responses that you must need to face a storm. Number one, accept responsibilities for the part in the problem. Accept responsibilities of your part in the problem. Number one, we have to go to God and say, God, I want to confess my sins. I'm truly sorry. You had a purpose in my life. There was a vision given to me, but somewhere down the line, due to various reasons, Lord, I have gone away. It's me. It's not you. You've got to come to yourself. You've got to admit that you are wrong. Many of us do not admit we blame Tom, Dick and Harry or Sally, whoever it is. Somebody else is blamed, but not us. But God says, you. We've got to face it, come to ourselves, go on our knees and say, God, I have a problem with my temper. I can't control it. Brother, I suffered with that for many years. I do seldomly. The old man sometimes surfaces up. We all do. Temper, poof, gone. And then he says, sorry, I came down the cross for one minute. I'll go back and hang myself now. We have to be careful with our mouth. These are things that we carry and we do not realize. Second one, face the reality of the problem. We got to face the reality of the problem. Don't run from it. You cannot run from it. What did Paul say? Therefore we know that we are going to crash up, so we encourage you to eat. Most of the time you see when there is a tension, women stop eating. They stop doing what they are supposed to do. Immediately I am on diet. What happened sister? I am going through this tension, you know, it is so bad. What, what does the Bible say? Paul encouraged them, eat. For God says not one hair of yours will be lost. Amen? Eat. No, brother, 14 days total darkness, you don't know, understand what I'm going through this. He told them some other stuff. He told them, untie the rudder. He told them, loosen the anchor. And he says, run straight into the storm. Don't run from it. Don't run around it. Don't run under it. Don't go over it. Run straight ahead. If you run around it, you know what will happen? The storm will pull you down. If you run under it, you're going forever. You can't go over it. If you go over it, you'll reach heaven. So he says, go through the storm. Why? I will be with you. Amen? That was the word we got earlier. I will be with you. The problem is this. We are so scared, we think he is not with us. The moment the storm comes, God left me. I'm all alone. I am nobody's child. We say that. Number three, stand on the promises of God. The problem with us, we do not know the promises of God and that's the reason we fall because we are not able to hold on to those promises. God will always keep His promise. Look at verse 22. God did not say the ship will make it. Have you seen that? He says, you will make it. Amen? The ship will not make it. Ultimately, 
you will make it in Jesus' name. Brothers and sisters, are you facing a storm in your life today? Do you feel battered all around? Do you feel that everything is being gone? Your dreams are shattered no more. You feel you have lost your job and what's going to happen to me, God? I've been in this job for so many years and now I've lost it. What is going to happen to me? God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you through the storm. And when you come on the other show, you'll be able to say, my God was with me. Amen? Amen. Brothers and sisters, do not feel alone. The interesting part of this entire uh, uh, thing that we have seen just now, everybody was in turmoil except one man. Have you noticed that? Paul was not shaken. And that we are supposed to be like that Paul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of evil, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. What they do? They comfort me. Amen? That's that's what we have to be. God, you are going to comfort me, Lord. I know I'm going through this situation, Lord. I know I lost a loved one. I know an accident has happened. I know this, that. But God, you are going to be my comfort. What more do we want than God being our comfort? My brothers and sisters, to close, I want you to examine yourself when you are in a storm. Number one, if I brought the storm upon my life, I have to do one thing. I should repent. Wherever I am wrong, give me grace to repent. I need to change my heart. I need, I need to ask God, Lord, change me today, Master. Number two, if the enemy has brought this upon my life, and I'm going through this, my ship is being broken into pieces, I need to resist him. We heard earlier, battle, spiritual battle. If you look, if you look at the Psalms and look at what happened earlier, God was talking to us continuously. We need to battle. Instead, let us not run. The enemy should run from us. Number three, if God has allowed this problem in your life, you have to sit and relax. You know why? He's pruning you. And he's making you like his son. My brothers and sisters, in all this, in all this, we cannot do it with our own strength. We cannot do it with our own strength. We need the power of God. Amen? Today we are going to ask God, Father, I want your power. I need this power. I call Pastor Nee forward. I need your power. Brother Lakin, take the drums, brother. We are going to sing the song. Put that slide up, my sister. Let us rise to our feet. We are going to do two things today. We are going to ask God, I need your power. Because I am in a storm. I have just come out of a storm. God, I need your anointing because without your strength, I can do nothing. I can do nothing without you. So I need your power. The song goes like this. If you know it, Brother Lakin will just start. We will sing the first verse with, a, with one of all our leaders must be knowing the song. Send the power. Holy Ghost power. Send the power again. Holy Ghost power. And as we sing the song, I want you to ask God, I need this power today, Lord God. Because today there's going to be a difference in my life. Amen? Amen. Yes, my brother. Now take it. Send your power. 
You have given me the power. The enemy will say, sit back. The enemy will whisper, sit back. But watch out. Take that step and say, I'm going forward. Today my eyes are going to be opened. We'll sing the song, your eyes fire, Omega. Come quickly so that the ministers of God can pray. And today there's going to be deliverance. Today the captives are going to be set free. Too long the enemy has kept you in darkness. I call the leaders and the elders, pastors, come my brothers. Amen. Launch out and come, my brothers. Today the deliverance is going to take place in your life.
to hear a loud Amen. Amen. If you really believe you are free, shout Amen. Let the storm and the devils hear it. I want a loud Amen. Amen. I want the one that uh, when you walk through that door, somebody will ask, what was happening there? <laughs> so if you believe you are free, shout, Amen! Amen. Raise the Lord! Raise the Lord! Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Go in your freedom.